I've been uh, talking for three hours and mostly about counting the Omer, the, the time between Passover and Pentecost. And for this last hour, uh, we're going to actually delve into Pentecost. And, you know, I got to say that that was intentional. If you think that might feel a little odd. The reason is what I have found in my life and mystery is that a lot of folks tend to have trouble receiving the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and just encountering and dealing, understanding, comprehending. Uh, a lot of times our brains get in the way. Uh, sometimes just uh, just we let everything get in the way. And I think that part of that issue that as a people, as the church that we have to come to terms with is if we could learn to count the Omer, I think we have a lot better chance of receiving when we actually arrive at Pentecost and uh, get into a place where our hearts are in the right position to receive from God. So uh, what we're going to look at first as we jump into Pentecost, we're going old school, we're going to Old Testament first. Uh, Pentecost, what was interesting about it, in the annual Pentecost festival, they were commanded to make more sacrifices than at any other festival. And I think it's true uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, too. And when you encounter the Holy Spirit, you know, he is the spirit of holiness. Now, just one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you, you're, you're dealing with all of him and one of him. And however you want to slice and look at that, you don't miss out on you're You're not talking any less about Jesus when you're talking about the Holy Spirit or less of the Father. You're talking about encountering the Holy Spirit. And in that, sometimes because the different giftings and how they God functions and as the Holy Spirit, it, it requires something different, and it does require more. He, he 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 asks more of us, and there are four offerings or sacrifices that are that are taking place, and it's taking your place, <laughs> the place of you dying. See, they are the ultimate judgment sacrifices. Look for the contrast here. It's life or death, Jesus or destruction, and that's what these offerings are. So I want you to consider how you you come to God in this moment when we talk Pentecost, all right? So number one offering is the burnt offering. It's all burned. It's amazing. There's nothing left. The life and death of Jesus perfectly accomplished the will of God, which in in one sense is so that we can remember that once you receive what the work that Jesus has done for you, you see, that job is done. You can't add anything to it. God is not looking for you to bring something to him. He has come to you because you totally require all of him, and he requires none of you. He, You have to lay it all down. That's that burnt offering. But now there's the, the first part of Pentecost offerings that I think is really fascinating that you might not know about, and it's the meal offering, and it's made up of leavened bread. All right. You wave, you make this bread and you wave it before him. Flour, frankincense, oil and salt. But did you hear the, the word there? Leavened bread. At Passover, you eat unleavened bread, right? So because leaven represented sin at Passover, but Jesus was holy and made us holy or unleavened. So when you pass Passover and you're on your counting your days of the Omer, you're unleavened as you're passing the, those 50 days because Jesus has washed you in cleansed you. So we count the Omer, we live our life, we arrive in Pentecost where the bread is now leavened. It has leaven. But the leaven here represents the Holy Spirit now, not sin. 
At Passover, Jesus became sin for us and took our punishment. At Pentecost, we're holy from the blood of Jesus. We're made from the finest flour so we can receive the Holy Spirit, which is the power to live. And leavened bread represents an unblemished life. This leaven is the indwelling Holy Spirit who convicts us, continually leads us to repentance. But we're leavened. We're overcoming sin daily. And so it's this presence of the Holy Spirit that's a little different. John 6, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So two offerings there. Number three is the sin offering for the remission of sin. First comes salvation, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here's Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all Israel be sure of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, number one, then comes number two. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's the sin offering. The fellowship or peace offering, well, he became, Jesus said, it became our peace or substitute. Pentecost was when the words of the Holy Spirit poured out of the mouth of his church. The fruit of their lips was praise of the gospel, which led to revival. In Acts uh, chapter 2, Peter showed no fear, no hiding, no denying, no going fishing. It's all about the harvest. You'll choose fear or faith. That's why the spirit of fear is here and taking as many prisoners as possible. The focus of Pentecost is on wheat, but they brought the first fruits of all their crops. And there were seven crops at Pentecost, wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. There are seven gifts of the fruits of the Spirit, too. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 23. Pentecost is the day the Holy Spirit came upon the believers gathered together. And what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life? You manifest the fruit of the Spirit. That's how you can tell it's, it's Him. The Feast of Weeks is fulfilled in the empowering of the church to bring the harvest of the gospel and the end-time harvest by Jesus. Revelation 20 says this, I looked, and there behold, before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. The time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. And uh, that is the wheat harvest they're talking about there in Revelation. All right, when God begins, he sees through to completion. We're going to look at uh, how God does that next.